just out of curiosity, by raise of hands, if you don't mind, how many of you, if not tonight, at some time have actually witnessed the movement of the purple or the blue light? Look around. You guys do know that is the action of the Holy Spirit that we're doing here. And in meditation, I really specifically held to that focus tonight. Jim and I have heard so many times from people, well, not much goes on in my meditation, but I see the purple light all the time. That's it, folks. <laughs> if you're seeing it, that's the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is continue holding your focus on that light. The longer you can hold your focus on that, the more God's grace will unfold in you and around you, transforming you. And the longer you can do that, the more inner experience you'll have, the more awareness you'll have, the more knowing of truly that movement of that river of loving out of the heart of God. Because that purple or blue light is the movement of God's loving. So if you're seeing that, and you are one of those people that says, well, I don't have much of any experience in meditation. Think again, because you are. And you notice at the end I said to acknowledge, and even in the beginning to declare. Because as you really acknowledge and declare that truth of who you are, that's how you can really open to experience the greater truth that is God. So this meditation tonight really really is this whole inner focus, this whole pathway. If you do just that, your life can transform. You really can wake up. Tonight was it. So continue doing that every single day in your time of meditation. Just as we did tonight, continue doing that for however long you do it. And that's all there is. It's that simple. But in that simplicity is where you can really experience the greater expansion. You just have to give yourself the time and the space to move into that greater experience that is there for you. So if you are seeing the purple and blue light, you are beginning to have that experience and you may be well along the path, not just beginning. So just continue because it gets better and better as you continue. Well, that is something to be aware of in this pathway and in this meditation. The path of sound and light is a very simple path. It's a very simple path. And it is an action of loving God in all that we do, in our meditation and in our daily life. And it is also a very simple path inside, in our meditation. And a lot of times people have been trained to look for the psychic, for the phenomena, for the wow in the meditation. You're probably not going to have a lot of phenomena or psychic things happening or wow things happening in your meditation in that way. Because this is truly a path of awakening. And awakening is a gradual process. It's an internal process. And it is a very simple process of a relationship between you and God developing and opening and manifesting. And so the one that assists you in that awakening process is the Holy Spirit, is the audible life stream. It is that voice, it is that sound, it is that loving action that is the Holy Spirit that God sends forth down to all of us that is the one that begins the awakening. It calls our name. 
in that audible ice cream. It calls us forward. It brings forth the loving. It lifts us up into forgiveness. And it moves us in actions of acceptance. And through that, we begin to awaken into the divine knowing of who we truly are as soul, as divine, as a child of God. So it's important to remember that and to really pay attention, to not look towards meditation as a time for phenomena. Look to meditation as a time to be with the Holy Spirit, to be in the audible life stream, to be in that action of sharing your loving with God and allowing God to have that opportunity to be in loving with you, to be receptive, to be open, to allow God in. It's interesting because I witness people under meditations at, from time to time when I'm in meditation and I'm assisting certain ones that are opening up or on this pathway and beginning to wake up inside. And oftentimes inside I'm having to remind them to knock at the door, to knock at the door. They're so caught up in looking for the psychic or for phenomena or for something, for the answer, for the solution. What do I do in the world? And then the mind starts kicking in. And I'm ever having to remind people Knock at the door, and God will open it. But if we do not knock, God is not going to open the door. That knock at the door, at that spiritual eye center, is our invitation to God. And our announcement to God that we're really ready to go home. We really do want to come home now. And the knocking at the door is the chanting of the names. Chanting the names over and over and over is a way by which we can stand at the door at the spiritual eye center and knock and knock and knock. And with every knock, you knock with love. That knock and the sound of that knock is you saying, I love you, Lord. I love you. And I know you're on the other side of that door. And I love you. I hope you're getting my loving. I love you. Every time you knock, that's what you're doing. Every time you chant the name of God, you are knocking at that door. And the more focused attention you have in that chanting, the more focused loving you have in the knock at that door. And the more that loving builds up inside of you, and God begins to respond to the movement of that loving and finds the true devotion in that loving, God then comes and opens the door for you that you now can begin the journey home. But the key in that is that the door that you're knocking at, that you're standing in front of and knocking, doesn't open outward, it opens inward. So at some point in your knocking, in your chanting, in your devotion of loving to God, you have to come quiet. You have to step back from the knocking at the door and then see if God's going to open the door today. Is this the day the door is going to open? And be patient and be receptive and allow then in whatever comes from God. It will be loving. It will be the purest action of loving, which is the Holy Spirit. And it will come in and it will move in you and it will flood you and it will stir you and it will awaken you. And in the stirring, it may stir up a lot of muck that has been at rest inside for a long time. 
but it's only stirring it so that you can clear that inner kingdom so that you can truly stand clear and free and loving in the truest form. And so if it does come in and begin to stir things up inside of you, let it stir. Let it stir to the greatest of ability. Do not get in there and go, no, no, that's not, don't do that. I'm not that area. I don't want to look at that. Don't get engaged. Don't get involved in that action. Let it move. Let it stir. It knows what it's doing. The grace of the Holy Spirit knows what it's doing. You most likely do not. And it's going to go into those areas that you've been hiding or that you've been hiding from or that you've been protecting or that you've been denying all these days, weeks, years, or lifetimes. And it's going to stir that darkness. And it's going to bring light into it. And that light is the light of grace. And it is that that will begin to bring about the awakening of understanding of what this truly is. What is in this darkness? It's a lesson that you've run away from, that you've been afraid to learn, to step into, to be responsible for. And that light is the light of opportunity for you to go into that learning, into that darkness, and to transform it, to clear it, to clean it up, in whatever way that might be. And it may be as simple as just going in there and say, hey, I love you. I love this darkness in me. I love this thing about myself. I love how I reacted in that moment. I love it all. And I forgive it all. And I accept it all. With those three actions, transformation takes place. And if you do that at the time that the Holy Spirit is moving in you, around you, through you, it is immediate. It is done. And then what I see is oftentimes people then go out into the world and start talking about what happened today, what I released today, what I learned today to others. Others that have no idea about this pathway, have no understanding about what it is you're really talking about, could care less. And if anything, they're just going to dump their stuff of their misunderstanding of the situation on you and bring you back into the disturbance that has just been released. You're going to reawaken and realiven all that you just completed. And it'll be there once again for you to learn because you haven't learned it yet completely. When it is done, let it go. Don't dwell on it anymore. Don't bring it back to yourself anymore. Give it up and let it go. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. Accept others. Accept yourself. Love others and love yourself. Love it all. And in that, you will begin to know the true spiritual freedom that is the inheritance of the spiritual child. We are a child of God. And God has a great inheritance for us. It isn't money. It is a spiritual inheritance. And it is all that is the God in you that is waiting to come into full manifestation. That divine spark that is your soul 
that is you, the true you, is a full expression of the Lord waiting to come into full manifestation of itself. And that action of God that is in you is loving, the living, loving essence of the Lord. And what makes up loving? Loving is joy, peace, gratitude, grace. It is abundance. It is bounty. It is healing. It is so much that is of God and so much more that has no name in this creation that will come forward and begin to live in you and through you and around you as the God in you wakes up and begins to be the one from which you begin to live and express and be. But sometimes I've seen people in their meditations doing everything they can not to allow the Holy Spirit into those dark areas. No, no, not there. Don't touch that. That's a terrible thing. I don't like to look at that. Don't go there. I want to go into the fun and the games and the psychic and all of that. And the Holy Spirit's going, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to take you into the darkness because you're not allowing God into all that is you. You've got to let God into every part of you and allow that part that is God, you, into all of your creations to bring them into balance, to bring them into healing, to bring them into wholeness, to bring them into completion, so that the God in you that is you, the soul, can then claim all that power, all that authority, all that learning unto itself fully, and then manifest itself in the God essence that it is. Everything that we experience in life, in these levels of creation, is an opportunity for the God in us to wake up, to wake up into the greater divine knowing of itself, to wake up into the living, loving essence of the Lord that it is, to begin to live and manifest and demonstrate that into all of this creation. But it can only do so if we at this level, that is the ego, will relax and allow the divine that we are to manifest and to begin to do its greater work and glory in us, through us, and around us. But it's up to us at these levels of the ego, the mind, the emotions, and the body to do that. And that's what meditation is about. Meditation is a way to begin a process of alignment. For lifetimes, your body, your imagination, your emotions and your mind have been at each other's throat. No, I'm in charge. What do you mean? You don't have anything to say. Here, go away. Leave me alone. I'll do this. Every one of them is fighting for position and power and authority in this level of creation while this body is alive. And the war is going on inside of us all the time. As we get older, we begin to just settle into the battle that goes on inside. And eventually one seems to win over the others. And for some of us, 
it's the emotional nature, and we just kind of follow after whatever the emotional nature guides us to do, runs us to do, moves us to do. For others, it's the mind. The mind has won. For others, it's the imagination. And we're caught up in all these images, all these imaginations inside of us, and we're chasing after those. And for others, it's the body. It's the physical cravings of the sensual nature that run us, that lead us into the world to fulfill itself. So in meditation, one of the first things that takes place is an alignment of those elements that are of the physical nature. And the physical, the imaginational, the emotional, the mental, and the unconscious all start coming into alignment. And the way that happens is a simple way. We look above them. We simply look above them to our true self, true our true nature. And by looking above them, we don't give them attention. We don't give them power. We don't allow them authority in that moment when we look up above them. And they're going to struggle for a while going, well, wait, wait, you know, I'm supposed to be in charge here. What are you looking up there for? I'm the one you're supposed to look to. But as you look up in this one-pointed focus and you begin to chant the name of God, knocking at that door of the spiritual eye center, inviting God in, please open the door, please come in, please let me come in to you. And in that one-pointed focus, all of our energy, all of our attention, all of our consciousness, and all of our loving is ever moving up, 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 above the elements of this level of creation that is our body, that is our imagination, our emotions, our mind, and our unconscious. And over a period of time, however long that is, I don't know, it's different for each one of us, but over a period of time at this level, as we meditate every day, holding our attention above all of those elements, they begin to fall in alignment, just automatically. It is automatic. We do not have to do anything. We do not have to go anywhere. We do not have to say anything to anybody or fulfill anything in this world. It happens automatically. And that's the beauty of this action. That's the beauty of this initiation and the power of the name is it happens automatically. They come into alignment. But then what happens is we come out of our meditation, we're sitting in alignment, and we get up and we start to walk away from our meditation, and for a moment we are still in the alignment, and for a moment we're still at the seat of the soul, and for a moment the soul has an element of action over all the others, and we feel, we feel fulfilled and whole and loved and complete in that moment. And then our focus starts coming back down to the old habit patterns of this creation, and we begin to focus right back where we used to focus before. If it was the emotional nature that ran us, we go there. If it's the mind that's running us, we go there. The key is... When you get up from meditation, you stay focused inward and upward to the seat of the soul. Eyes open, eyes open, 
inward and upward focused. Eyes closed, focused inward and upward to the seat of the soul so that the soul begins to have dominion over this creation that is your physical experience. So that you as soul begin to have experience in the physical rather than the physical looking for spiritual experience. That's a wonderful thing to live in the soul and to have the soul be in dominion over this physical kingdom so that you, the soul, are now in charge. And now the mind, the emotions, the imagination, the physical body all look up and go, and what would you like us to do today? What can we fulfill with you? What have we not done yet that you would like done? And they begin to work with you. And all of a sudden, you have more energy. You have more clarity. You have more opportunity to fulfill yourself at this level. And you also don't have that egoic push to fulfill, to have to prove yourself, to have to succeed in the world. And you do not have the sensual nature driving you at all the levels of this creation. And that's important to remember. Pay attention. Pay attention to who's running you. Who's in charge in you. Not just in the moment of your meditation, whether it be an hour or two hours or whatever. But in your daily life, eyes open, going through the day. Who's in charge? When you go eat at a lunch break or at dinner, who's in charge? Who sits there and reads the menu and decides what it is you're going to eat? Who's making the choices there? It's a very interesting process to pay attention and see what goes on. Who's in charge? Who's making the choices? Who's the decision maker inside? If it's the ego, it is going to not pay attention to taking care of this physical body necessarily. It is just going to do all it can to fulfill the sensual pleasures of this creation. And it will undermine the soul by doing that because it doesn't allow the opportunity for the spirit in you, the soul in you, the opportunity to manifest itself, to share itself, to express itself, to fulfill itself in the physical creation through it. Because the ego will do all it can to block that action. And one way I have found for myself is just to pay attention. When I sit down at a menu, what is it I am going to eat? What is it I am going to order? And it's very interesting because my eyes will look all over the menu. And I know I want to keep it simple. I want to keep it rather light. I don't want to eat a real heavy meal. I don't want to take in just a lot of calories because it doesn't serve my physical body. But my ego and my physical body and my emotional nature immediately kick in and go, 
oh gosh, enchiladas, lots of cheese. Ooh, that would be good. Get some onions on it. And then the rice and beans. Yeah, rice and beans, that'd be good with that. We can do the chips and all that. Or let's go have spaghetti. Spaghetti with garlic bread. Oh, yeah, that would be great. No, don't worry about the salad. We don't need the salad. We want more room for the spaghetti. You know, and that's what I notice when I'm reading the menu. There's always this little element inside of me that is ever trying to come up and take charge. Would you listen to me right now? You know, doesn't this look good? We haven't eaten here in a long time. This tastes so good. You know, and I just have to listen to it and go, I know this is what you want, and this is what I'm eating. And it's paying attention in every moment of our life. Every moment. Not just in meditation, but every moment. The soul wants to have dominion. The soul wants to take charge. The soul wants to wake up and have opportunity to complete here. But it can only do that if you will allow that alignment in your meditation of the physical elements of self to take place. And then for you to get up and maintain that alignment the best you can. And believe me, two hours out from your meditation, that alignment, especially in the beginning, will probably be pretty shattered. It's kind of like I heard a chiropractor once say, I can adjust you all I want. And I can get you in perfect alignment. But by the time you get to your car, you may be just as you were when you came in here. And if it holds that long, it may be 45 minutes out and you'll be out again. And if it holds that long, I'm sure within, by the evening, you will be back where you were pretty much. But it's coming back again and again and realigning and realigning again and again and doing exercises to strengthen those muscles to help hold that alignment that allows that alignment to finally hold to where you don't need to go back to the chiropractor anymore because it's done. Well, that's what this meditation is about. When you meditate, you do find that that alignment does take place of the physical elements of self. But when you get up and go, and as you go out the door and you go past the refrigerator, and you think, wow, hmm, there is that piece of apple pie in there, and it could go bad today. <laughs> Don't listen to that voice, because that's an element that is going to throw you out of your alignment. Pay attention to the soul. Pay attention to what serves the soul. And if that apple pie serves the soul, that's fine. But let it be known from that level of self, rather than the egoic structure that has all these other physical qualities to it. And it's learning that voice of the soul and following after that that is going to make the difference. So each day, get up from your meditation and see what happens as you go and do the day. What is it that throws you out of alignment? What is it that kicks up and takes charge and starts running you into the world? Is it the sensual nature? Most likely. The sensual nature is every part of this physical creation. It has to do with lust and greed. It has to do with all the different qualities of self at this level. And it is ever runniness, pushiness, calliness to come forward and do it, whatever that is. Now go eat the apple pie. 
No, let's go have sex. No, we've got to get to work. We've got to make a lot more money. We don't have enough money. And stop spending it. Don't give it away to anybody. I don't care if they need it. You keep it in your pocket. All that is a part of the sensual nature of this creation. If you allow that to run you, you're going to find yourself in the war of Armageddon. The battle between the soul and this creation. And this creation, your physical creation, and all that it is made up of, is going to fight the battle. It's going to fight. I've been in charge now for how many lifetimes? I've had authority over this body for how many years? Are you kidding? I'm not going to give it up to you now, soul. We're going to fight this out. Well, the physical, material aspect of yourself will fight. Will fight the battle. The soul will not. The soul doesn't fight. The soul has no reason to fight because ultimately it knows it is one. It is complete in soul right now. And it is going to maintain that wholeness and that completeness in soul throughout all of existence at these levels. And so it has nothing to fight for because it already is where it wants to be. Other than its focus is downward and outward and caught up in this world. And it knows that if it fights, it's only going to anchor itself more here, caught up in this world. So the soul is going to say, that's fine, have your way for a while. But ultimately, I'm going to win. And I know it because I'm wanting to go home now. I've heard the voice of God calling me inside. I feel the longing. I feel the pull. I'm going to go home. You're not going to win. You can fight all you want, but ultimately I'm going to win. Oh, yeah? How are you going to win? I know all the tricks. I know how to fight you. I know how to keep you from having authority over us. And the soul goes, you may know at that level how to maintain my activity, my attraction, my action of being caught up in the world, but I know a secret. I now have the power of the name of the Lord inside of me. I now have anchored in me the authority of the Holy Spirit to wake up inside and to rise up above you and to take authority over you. And I know in time, if I just sit in meditation every day, with the power of the name building up inside of me, you are going to come into alignment and serve me, and serve me well. Oh yeah, we'll see about that. But in time, that voice of challenge, that voice of battle, changes. And eventually, it looks up and goes, and now what can we do for you? Now what would you like us to do? Because the loving transforms everything. The true loving, the loving that God has for us, each of us as soul, transforms everything. Nothing can stand in loving except loving. And everything that is of your creation your hatred, your bitterness, your jealousy, your envy, your anger, your frustration, your loneliness, everything that is of your creation is just misexpressed, misplaced love. 
pure love, the love of the Spirit that is loving of and from the soul. And so as you are chanting that name, that loving comes into all that aspect of self that has just been misdefined, misplaced, misexpressed, and it begins to transform it back into its original state of loving. And it all comes into cooperation and harmony. And eventually all these other parts of the physical self that have been at war with the soul, been fighting the soul, been in charge and keeping attracted at the soul down here, now comes into alignment with a loving flow. And it's starting to look up and go, and now what can we do for you? What's next? I sure do enjoy living in this loving with you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. Where before, it was like, oh yeah? You're not going to win. You just give it a try. I've won so far up to now, I'm going to continue winning. But with the power of the name, it has no authority and it has no chance. The soul wins. And the soul then wakes up into the knowing of itself as a child of God. And that soul that is you begins to have dominion over this creation. And then you realize that you are truly soul. And you know that the day that you are standing at the door knocking. And then you step back to receive God's loving. And the door opens. And when that door opens, you know then that truly God is present in your life. You know then that there is a God. Up until then, you're knocking at the door going, I sure hope there is a God on the other side of that door. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to love it just in case it is. And, but when that door opens and that light of the eternal shines in on you and fills you fully, everything, everything that you have ever felt in the way of separation or loneliness or longing is answered. Because that light of the eternal fills you to the fullest, fills you to overflowing, fills you, and nothing of this creation has authority over you from that moment on. And you wake up in the knowing in that moment that truly I am a child of God. And God dwells in me as I dwell in God. You wake up into the knowing of that. And once that door opens, folks, you don't have to keep knocking at the door. There is no more door to knock at to get it to open. It's open. So many times I see people go back in their meditation the next day and they think the door is closed. They believe the door is closed and they go back and they start knocking again. Once that door is open, the door is open. Know it, believe it, live it, love it, be it. The door is open. Now the chanting isn't knocking at the door. The chanting is your way of truly expressing your loving with God in the fullest way possible. Speaking God's name and saying in that, I love you, Lord, fully. I love you. I love your light. I love your joy. I love your sound. I love who you are in me. I love who I am in you. 
Every time you chant the name of the Lord, that's what you're saying in that unspoken name that you are chanting. Now, one thing to remember here, the loving that I am talking about isn't the love of the world. The love of the world is a romantic picture. It's a romantic energy. And it has a lot of different feelings and qualities to it. And we're ever trying to attach ourselves and hook ourselves and get into us that love energy of this level of creation. And it does have a dynamic quality to it. But the loving that is of spirit, that loving action that is the Holy Spirit, and that loving that you are, that living, loving essence of the Lord that you are, doesn't have all of that. It isn't of this physical creation and it doesn't manifest itself in that physical way. The loving in spirit is very subtle. It's very quiet. It's very gentle. It's very peaceful. It's very still. And at the same time, it's unbelievably dynamic and creative and powerful and filled with authority. But it doesn't have the emotional longing and need and want and loneliness and anger and frustration that goes with the love of this creation. So when you're in your meditation and you're loving the Lord, don't do it from that emotional place and don't expect to feel those emotions of love and that action of the spiritual loving of the Lord. And when the Lord is loving you, don't sit there and go, but I don't feel it, Lord. I'm not feeling it down in the center of my heart. I want to feel it in the gut of my stomach. I want to feel it, Lord. Don't expect to feel it in that way. It's a subtle spiritual essence rather than a physical hard energy. But it does have a movement. It does have a quality. And as you begin to wake up in your own soul and as you begin to understand the true essence of experience as soul, you then begin to realize the true loving, the beauty of that loving, the filling of that loving, the movement of that loving in a way that you never ever can imagine at this level. And it's more powerful and it's more dynamic, it's more expressive, it's more fulfilling than anything in this world called love. But don't try to define it through the eyes of this world, through the definition of love that this world has given us. Because it's not that, thank God. It is something so much more. So when we're in meditation, be aware that you're raising your consciousness above all of this creation and anchoring ourselves and awakening ourselves, knocking at that door at the spiritualized center. And in that moment that we have our attention on our true self as soul, and we're moving into the true living loving essence of the Lord that we are as soul, all that is of this physical element that we are experiencing in down here begins to come into alignment. And then all we have to do is learn how to live in that new alignment and not let any of those aspects of the lower self 
have authority or control or take charge. That's a 24-hour day job. It is. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes attention. Every minute of every day to pay attention to who's in charge, who's speaking, what do you want, where am I going, why am I doing this, who's in charge right now. And to ever stay focused inward and upward. It's amazing the conversations you can have with people when you're in the world. When you're focused down and downward and outward, the conversations are interesting, they're dynamic, they're filled with gossip or complaint or whatever it is. And we just get caught up in it. We get involved in it. But when you're focused inward and upward, those conversations are not interesting. They're boring. They're painful. I don't want to waste my time or my energy on that. And that's the action that I'm talking about here. How are you participating in this world? How are you doing in this world? What are your actions in this world? If you're focused downward and outward, then you're going to love this world. You're going to get caught up in this world. You're going to be really involved in this world. If you're focused in inward and upward, you're going to approach this world in a different way. It may look almost identical, but it's going to be very different. If you're focused downward and outward, you're ever needing other people to approve of you, to accept you, to love you. And they're needing the same from you. And so automatically you're going to gravitate to those people to begin doing that action in some form or other. And sometimes it can be somewhat fulfilling at the physical level or the emotional level or the mental level. And other times it may not. But when we are looking inward and upward, we don't look outside of ourselves for anything. We are ever looking inside. We're looking inside to live in the loving that we are. We're looking inside to fulfill that loving and to fill ourselves to overflowing so that that loving can be shared with others in the world. We're looking inward and upward to have God participate with us in all that we do. We look inward and upward to let the grace of the Holy Spirit to come in us, around us, and to go before us, clearing away any and all disturbances and distractions upon this path of my life, so that I walk it with clarity, with inward focus, and with my eyes on the Lord and only on the Lord. Have no other gods before me, only me, the I am that I am. Know that and have that only before you. Where that first is found is here at the seat of the soul. You first know God as soul, that divine essence that is God in you. Wake up, wake up and know God in you and have nothing before God in you, nothing. And then live in God and let the God in you be the one who is in authority and in charge. Then all of a sudden, all these unlearned lessons just jump up and go, okay, done, 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 learned, learned, learned. And you become really smart and clever and wise. And everybody's looking at you, how did you know that? 
How'd you get that done? Why did that leave your life all of a sudden? Why do you seem so different? Why do I not want to be around you anymore? <laughs> well, you're going to hear all kinds of statements, believe me. And that can be one of them. That can be one of them. I've heard that over and over in so many different terms, so many different ways of expression. From just as simple as that. I don't want to be around you anymore. I don't enjoy my company with you anymore. It's not fun. You don't want to participate in the gossip. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. You're boring. You're uninteresting. Well, that's good. That means I have fulfilled whatever I came to fulfill with you. So now it's done. I can go, you can go, and we're complete. So in this action, you want to begin to learn the process of living each day from that place of your own soul. That means living focused inward and upward to that source of you, the divine, and living in that more and more. Make your choices in that place of your own soul. But what does my soul want to eat? What do I as soul want to eat? What is the child of God hungry for right now? Or really I'm hungry for God's loving. So maybe instead of eating right now, I'm going to go meditate a little bit. Then I'll eat. It may be that way. Of course, if you're at a busy restaurant and you have three other people with you at a table, it may not. <laughs> but then you can look inward and upward and say, and Lord, I love you first. I place you first before this meal, before this food, before this company, before this world. I place you first. And I just want you to know that at this time. And then you can approach your meal, you can approach your friends, maybe in a different way than you might have before. So in your meditation, be aware that the action that is taking place in that meditation is subtle. 